morning, everybody. Welcome to Next Level Church. And just as uh, Pastor Scott and Pastor Josh said, let me just echo what they said. Moms, happy Mother's Day. Man, what an awesome, awesome thing it is to honor you and to salute you and, and to, to, to this day prioritize and say just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for all you are, all you do, moms. Today we honor you. Well, this is part two of our We Play series, and throughout the month of May, we're talking about how you and I play, we play the game of life. Last week, if you were with us, uh, you remember. If not, you can catch up online at nextlevelchurch.com. But we started out by talking about how you and I have to play the game of life hard, playing hard. And we we stopped and we said, you know, you got to zoom out, that from time to time, this thing called life can get a little overwhelming if we don't every once in a while, pause, zoom out to a high level over our life and ask the question, what are we playing for? What are we fighting for? And so that's the way we began our series. Next week, next Sunday, you're not going to want to miss it. We're talking about playing together and the role of relationships in terms of this game we call life. The fourth Sunday, then, we're going to talk about playing rested. And we're going to look in the Bible and we're going to say, you know, with summer coming, with, with a time and a season where we kind of, many of us, pull off the gas pedal a little bit, what does the Bible have to say about how you and I play the game of life rested? What does the Bible say about rest? And then we're going to conclude the series on May the 30th by talking about playing through the pain. That pain is an inevitable, an ev- inevitable part of the game of life. And so we're going to be looking in the Bible and saying, what does pain have to do with it? And how do you and I navigate through seasons of pain in our life? But today, this is part two of our We Play series, and we're talking about playing with respect. Playing with respect. The reality is, as you and I look at our life, as, as we, we go to work every single day, as we're navigating responsibilities at home and with school and, and neighborhood and everything else going on in our world or in our life, the, the reality is, at the end of the day, it comes down to respect. That there's not one person who's listening today, whether in this room or online, maybe you're watching this online or you're listening in your car and you're, while you're working out on your treadmill, I don't know. But there's not one person who today is listening who doesn't want respect, doesn't want to live their life in such a way that the world would look around and, and go, man, that guy I can respect. Man, that woman I can respect. That's, it really does come down to respect. Matter of fact, in our home, uh, we have three simple rules in the Keller household. They all have to do with respect. The first one is respect your mama. And my boys know it. I know it. The cat, okay, the cat doesn't know it. But, uh, but my boys definitely know it. I know it. Rule number one at the Keller house is respect your mama. Why? Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that is, that is so true. Which, by the way, moms, I'm just warning you, there's going to be about 100 amen moments in this message. Because this is all for you today. So I don't know, maybe you don't come from a church background where people like, you know, amen type of thing. Well, get ready, especially today, moms, because this is for you. So the rule number one in the Keller household is respect your mama. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And my boys know it and I know it, and that's true. Now, rule number two is respect each other. I mean, it all comes down to respect. Listen, if, if it doesn't work in our house, it's not going to work out there in our world. And so we want to teach our kids that. And rule number three is respect your daddy, because what's up now? No, just kidding. The truth is there should only be one rule, respect your mama, and all the other rules bow to that. The, the truth is, no, in our home it really comes down to three simple rules. And they all have to do with respect, because at the end of the day, the way we interact with one another, the way we treat one another, the way we live our life, if it is not respect worthy, if we don't play the game of life with respect, we have nothing. 
And it will stall out our potential to influence. It will stall out our potential to, to move ahead in our careers or move ahead in our schools. It will stall out our potential to move ahead relationally. We will not get where God wants us to go. We will not get where we want to go if we don't learn to play the game of life with respect. So that's what we're going to do today. I want us to talk about seven simple rules from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 is actually uh, probably the most famous passage in all of Scripture describing a godly woman. So moms, this is a bit of my gift to you today, is for us to look at this passage that describes so many of you moms, so many godly women. And so I want us, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs 31. If you don't, that's cool. The verses will be on the screen around me. You'll be able to follow along because I want to look at seven simple rules for playing the game of life with respect. And we're going to use moms or godly women as our model, as our example. Let's look at it together. Starting in verse 10, here's what it says. A wife of noble character, who can find? In other words, if you can find a wife that's respectable, if you can find a wife of noble character, buddy, you got a good thing going. Look, who can find that? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. In other words, this is what a respectable woman looks like. This is what a respectable life lit for God, looks like. And then he spends the remainder of the chapter describing this godly woman. Look at verse 13. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gives up while, gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her women servants. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. Okay, seven simple rules for playing with respect from Proverbs 31 as he is describing what a godly woman looks like. Okay, here's rule number one. Ready? Here you go. A strong work ethic. A strong work ethic. Did you see it in there? Did this woman, she knows how to work. Did you get, she gets up while it's still night. Okay, better than me. Right there, that's what I'm talking about. She provides food for her family. She considers a field. She buys it. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously all before 9 a.m. <laughs> like this is a godly woman and a godly woman has a good work ethic. And here's, here's what I know. Moms, you are the best example I can think of for this whole idea of having a good work ethic. Like, think of any mom you know. I'll be honest with you. From time to time, I have this tendency to whine a little bit. I'm just being honest. I'll start getting moping around my wife, not my wife, my life, a little bit, moping around. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. And then I look at like some moms out here in our church, and I'm like, you got like eight kids. And you're like running around, you're fixing breakfast, you're making their lunches, you're packing lunch for your husband too, you're making dinner, you're paying the bills, you're doing carpool, you're changing diapers, you're wiping noses, you're doing all, you know, I'm like, how are you doing that? Moms, you're amazing. You have an amazing work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I don't know how you do it. We men are babies compared to that. I'm just being honest with you. Unbelievable. See, though, when we zoom out, though, a little bit from there, <laughs> easy, don't get an attitude, moms, don't get an attitude, okay, you can amen, but don't be like, amen, that's right, did you hear that, Stephen, did you hear what he said, okay, don't do that, I'm working on him, give me a minute, give me a minute, let me, let me do that thing we do, okay, 
why is it that so many Christians are like notoriously lazy? Maybe you've known someone like that. Maybe there's someone in your office or in your, your crew, at your job or in your school, and they're the Christian in the group. Not all of us, but you ever know someone like this? And they're always like skirting around the edges, or they're coming in late, or they're leaving a few minutes early, or they're done. So like, when, when the world thinks of a Christian, unfortunately, far too often the world thinks of us as lazy, as slackers, as whatever. What, what if we could change that? What if we could be a, a group of Christians who decided that when someone wanted a job done well, when they wanted a job done right, when they wanted a job done under budget or on time or, or ahead of schedule, rather than thinking, good heavens, don't call a Christian, what if they said, you know what you need to do? You need to go find a Christian. Because you know they're going to do the job right. You know they're not going to cut corners. You know they're going to be ahead of schedule and under budget. You can count on a Christian. What if that could become the way we're known in our city? What if, what if that could become the way we're known? Well, see, I think we can take a model, a, a lesson from this godly woman in Proverbs 31. I think we can take a lesson from our moms in that. Rule number one is, if we're going to play the game of life with respect, then we can't be afraid of working hard. You've got to have a hard, good, solid work ethic. Verse 20 gives us rule number two. Let's look at it together. It says this concerning this godly woman. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. If we're going to play with respect the game of life, the number two rule for doing that is we have to work for something greater than ourselves. We have to work for something greater than ourselves. That, that this woman that we just saw described in verses 10 through 17 where she buys a field and she gets up early and she plants a vineyard and she does all that. She wasn't just doing this for herself. There was something greater that she was a part of in her life, in her world. And see, here's what I think. I think that, that far too many people lack significance in their everyday life simply because they, they've they've missed out on the ability to somehow tie what they do with the greater thing that God is doing through them on the earth. And this woman, is, she understands that. And moms, again, you're like the best illustration of this ever. Because, I mean, look no further than a mom to find someone who has put her hopes, her dreams, her desires, her wants, her needs on, on hold for like two decades while you raise kids. I'm like, how do you do that? You know how they do it? Find a great mom. Find, think of a mom right now that, that you look at that mom and you think, man, they're a great mom to their kids. Here's what I think. I think that anytime we see a, a mom who is just a great mom they are that way because they understand the magnitude of what they're doing in raising their kids they're not just wiping noses and changing diapers they're not just driving kids to soccer practice or baseball practice or ballet they're pouring themselves into the next generation and they get it they understand there's something greater that they're a part of. So what about us? 
What about, what about us? Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we go to work every day? Why do we punch the clock? Why do we nine to five it? Why do we work overtime? Is it just for a bigger paycheck? Is it just for, for, for a better title on our business card? Is it just for a little bit bigger cubicle or office? Why do we do what we do? Because see, uh, my contention today is this, that until we are able to connect the dots between what we do every single day and the greater plan of God that he is doing and executing on the earth today, we will never find true fulfillment. We will never find true significance in who we are and what we're doing every day, what we're spending and investing our life on. We'll never, we'll never find that kind of fulfillment until our life is tapped into something greater than just us. Just a bigger house and a better neighborhood and a faster car. Well, who cares? Our life has to be tapped into something greater. Look at verse 23, verse 21, I'm sorry. To find rule number three, verse 21, it says this. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. Taking some, some rules here from a godly woman on how you and I play the game of life with respect. Here's the third one. Number three, we got to be prepared for the unexpected. we got to be prepared for the unexpected. Did you see what it says? It says, when it snows, which time out, by the way, I recognize we're in Florida. Okay, snow is this white stuff that when it gets really cold outside, outside instead of raining up north, it actually snows. And if the ground is cold enough, the snow actually sticks. And then it's really, really bad to drive in. It's like driving in the rain down here. It's scary. Scary, I know. By all means, slow way down. Do go crazy. Do not, just, you better freak out when it rains and slow all the rest of us down. It's like that. It was a counseling session there for a minute, wasn't it? I feel better, though, getting that off my chest. Man, I feel better. Look what it says. It says, when it snows. In other words, when the winter season comes, a godly woman doesn't freak out. You know why? Because she's prepared for the unexpected. When the unexpected happens, she's prepared. And how is she prepared? She's prepared with margin and reserves. Listen, nothing will generate respect like being prepared for the unexpected. Think about it. Think about some leader that you know. Think about someone that you admire. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a leader. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe Whatever the case may be. Think of someone that you know that you, res, you hold in high esteem, high respect. Doesn't it seem like no matter what happens, they're always like prepared for it? And every time you come into a situation and it's like, oh no, what are we going to do? And they're like, this will help? You're like, how would you do that? Moms, I don't know how you get that much stuff in a purse. You are awesome. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Okay, listen. When I was in high school, we, we had this choir that traveled around the Midwest every weekend. And we had this one bus mom named Nancy. Okay, you might as well call her Saint Nancy because sweet mama, that woman had a purse. 
Huge, huge. And so we'd be on these bus trips and we'd be like five or six you know, hours away from home and we're in this high school and we're like, oh no. But you know, inevitably someone would be like, oh no, I forgot my what is She's like, well, head in the bag. And she just, you know, in the bank, she's like, and then she's like, and all of a sudden she's like, shower head. And you're like, what? How did you have a shower head in there? That's so cool. Moms, I don't know how you do it. You're awesome. Man, that's like, a, that's like the, that's awesome. I don't even know. I can't even think of like the cool phrase right now. It would have been good to say right there. You're, you're, you're always ready to, you expect the unexpected. And man, if we're going to live a life with respect and get, gain the respect of others and outsiders, we've got to be prepared. Because that yields respect. Matter of fact, flip, flip it over. You ever been around somebody who's unprepared? And something crazy goes wrong, inevitably happens, the unexpected happens, and they're like, oh no, what are we doing? And you're like, you really didn't see this coming? What's your respect do? Does it go up or down? It goes down. Well, see, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. If we're going to play the game of life with respect then we got to be prepared. And, and the way we do that is with margin and with reserves, especially when it comes to our time and our money. If we're going to play the game of life with respect, then when it comes to time and money, we must not live on the edge. we we got to build in some space. we got to expect the unexpected. Maybe in terms of time, maybe you're one of those people that you think whatever time something starts, that's actually like a 15-minute window. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe when it comes to money, you think that zero really means zero. Listen, if there's no margin in your finances, I'm just telling you, that's a horrible way to live. It's scary. Living on the edge of zero. And yet some of us, we're just, we're just right there in our personal findings. And we're just like, I, I'm just one little whatever unexpected thing away from just death. I'm just telling you, there's a beautiful, beautiful world called margin that is totally worth whatever sacrifice and discipline you have to do to get there. And godly women understand that. Look at verse 23. We find our fourth rule. It says this, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Rule number four that we learn about playing life with respect is that we got to surround ourselves with the right people. we got to surround ourselves with the right people. Earning the respect of others starts with having people of respect around us. Now, when you look at this verse on the surface, it looks like this verse is about her husband. It says her husband is respected at the city gate. He takes a seat among the elders or the leaders of, of, the, of the land. On the surface, it looks like this verse is about him. But think about it. Who would have been the most influential voice in this man's life? If, if this man is in a position to be respected by all of the leaders of the, of the day, it is precisely because he has a godly woman for a wife next to him. 
speaking into his life, encouraging him, exhorting him, challenging him, speaking wisdom with him, processing things with him. They were a team. And so the only way he was able to do what he did was because he had surrounded himself with a godly woman. And vice versa. The only way that she, as we read earlier in the chapter, was able to, to, to be who she was and buy and sell fields and plant vineyards and do all of this wool and flax and stuff I don't even understand. The only way she was able to do all of that is because she surrounded herself with the right person. So the question for us is, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Because if we're going to play the game of life with respect, then we must put respectable people around us. It's huge. Verse 26, we find rule number five. Verse 26 says this, speaking of this godly woman, she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She speaks with wisdom. Rule number five, if we're going to play the game of life with respect, we have to seek wisdom. We have to seek wisdom. Moms, again, you blow my mind on this one. I don't know how you know stuff. Like, where do you learn crazy stuff? Like, if you get gum in your hair, you know what you need? Peanut butter. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. I don't even know where you learn stuff like that. But like, you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Man, if you want some crazy wisdom, like, do stupid stuff in front of a mom. And they'll just be like, oh, I'm telling you, here's what you, you need WD-40. And you're like, I do. You're right. Thanks, mom. <laughs> right? Like, what in the world? Listen, this wisdom deal, this is huge. This is huge. People respect and want to be around people who are wise. Because, see, the opposite of being wise is to be a fool. The opposite of making wise choices, which lead you in a better direction in your life, is to be a fool or to make foolish choices which lead you in a direction you don't want to go in. Some of us know what I'm talking about because you're forced maybe in your workplace or in your school to be near someone who is constantly making foolish decisions leading them in the wrong direction. You know what I'm talking about? People who play the uh, famous last words game often with their life. You know, what I'm you know famous last words. Oh, we do this all the time. Really? You really do this all the time? And then it never ends well. You know, famous last words, this won't hurt. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. <laughs> this is foolish, right? <laughs> famous last words, don't tell my mom. Run, people. I'm telling you, if you can't tell their mom, you need to run, wait for it, on away because <laughs> they're foolish. They're making bad decisions. Listen, guys, listen, here's what I think. I think that wisdom is one of the most undervalued values in our entire culture in the United States of America today. I believe that. This is why we teach on this several times a year at Next Level because wisdom is huge. This is why our entire children's ministry is designed around teaching our children this question. What's the wise choice our entire children's ministry is based around helping our children understand from a biblical perspective the wise thing to do, not the right thing to do, not the best thing to do. No, 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 no. The wise thing to do. Because we think if we can begin to help our children understand and make wise choices early on, that they'll be less likely to make foolish choices later on. 
And our whole children's ministry is based around this wisdom thing. Listen, for the better part of two decades, my wife and I have prayed consistently, God, make us wise beyond our years. Make us wise beyond our years. Give us wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11 says this, For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. I like that. If you don't believe that's true, think about it. If you are wise, I love this, your wisdom will reward you. See, wisdom comes with amazing rewards. And so if we're going to play the game of life with respect, then we've got to do what this godly woman in Proverbs 31 did, and that is we have to seek wisdom. That's why we've prayed this prayer, God, make us wise beyond our years. So how do, how do you get wisdom? A couple of thoughts. I'll just throw them out to you. Number one, begin praying every day, God, give me wisdom. Just pray, very simply, if you want wisdom, begin praying every day, God, make me wise. God, give me wisdom. God, help me to make wise choices today. Begin to pray that prayer. And number two, begin to read the book of Proverbs. You've heard me say this before. Some of you have been around a while. Listen, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And I think that wisdom is the secret weapon of Christians. And we miss it. We miss it. So Proverbs has 31 chapters, basically 31 days in a month. So whatever day of the month you're on, read that chapter. I guarantee you that if you will do two things, pray God make me wise, and read a chapter of Proverbs every day for the next year, by this time next year you'll be way wiser than you are today. I just believe that. I just believe that. And for 20 years my wife and I have lived that. God, make us wise beyond our years because what we're facing, what we're doing, what we're dreaming, with the vision you're putting in our heart, listen, God, if we try and do this on our own, we are, it's going to get nutty up in here. It's going to be messy. It's going to be bad. We're going to need to call some moms to clean up after us because it's going to get ugly. So we pray, God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. We've got to seek wisdom. Verse 30 the last two rules come from verse 30. It says this, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised or is to be respected. Rule number six, we've got to be more than skin deep. If we want to play the game of life with respect, then we've got to be more than skin deep. Did you see what it said? Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Listen, we can work on the outside all day long, but the reality is we are living in a world where there are fewer and fewer secrets. And if our inside does not match our outside, eventually the world will find out about it. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe there's been a leader in your life or a pastor in your life that was influential to you, or maybe there was a boss or a, a department head. Maybe there was a CEO that from a distance you admired. From a distance, they were impressive. But then you got like invited into a lunch, or you got invited into a meeting or something, or you, had co- you got to have coffee with this person or whatever. And like o- over the course of, of a few minutes of getting to know them up close, it, it was like you started to realize that who they were from a distance was not at all who they were up close. See, the reality is we can impress people from a distance, but we can only truly impact them up close. And that means we've got to be more than skin deep. That means that what's going on on the inside must authentically match 
or outside. The Proverbs 31 woman understands that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But the inside has got to match the outside. And rule number seven, we've got to fear the Lord. How do we play the game of life with respect? Number seven, we must fear the Lord. Did you see what it said? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised or is to be respected. Listen, if we want to be respected in our life, then it all begins and ends with the fear of the Lord. Now, of course, some of us hear that and we're like, okay, bro, you're talking about fearing the Lord. When you say fear, are you talking like I just... I just went to a a really scary movie and now I'm driving on the way home and I'm going through this woods and a little girl in a white dress jumps out in front of me and I don't know whether to swerve or to hit her because I'm really, really freaked out because of the movie I just saw type of thing. That kind of fear? (laughs) Again, kind of a counseling session for me. It's good. This is good. It's it's, it's safe here, Matt. Just let it all out. Little girls in white dresses in scary woods after scary movies scare me. I'm just being honest. No, that's not what I'm talking about. When the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord, it's, it's not speaking of scary movie fear. It's speaking of, of a reverence and a respect for God. It, it's, it's, it's alluding to the reality that when people look and examine our life, they see a reverence for the leadership and personhood of Jesus in all that we do, And in all that we are. And Proverbs 31 says that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And and verse 31 actually tells us the result of a life that's lived like this. Look, honor her for all her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise or respect at the city gate. Guys, listen, if we want to be the kind of man, if we want to be the kind of woman the kind of father or mother, the kind of grandfather, grandmother, son, daughter, employer, employee that is respected. And the way we do that is first and foremost, the beginning of it all is having a healthy fear, respect, reverence for the Lord. And maybe you're here today and as you've heard me talking, you're, you're enjoying this, you like it. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know why you've come. Maybe you're here today because your mom said, all I want for Mother's Day is for you to come to church, and so she dragged you here. Maybe you're here because your mom said, I promise I'll take you to lunch if you come to church with me, which, by the way, you need to pay for her lunch if that happens. It's just, it's just right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you're listening or watching online. and I don't know where you're at. But see, here's what I do know. I know that 2,000 years ago, our God looked down from heaven and saw us, fallen, broken, sinful humanity, trying to figure it all out, trying to be good enough, trying to work hard enough, trying to, trying to earn our way into good graces in relationship with Him. And He looked down and He saw us in our sinfulness or, or our, our, our ability that when, when left to ourselves, we go our own way and mess things up. And God looked down and he saw us in that state, in that condition, and he said, I can't stand to see humanity, these people that I love so much, struggle so deeply in their sin. So 2,000 years ago, God became a man in the form of Jesus. He came to this earth and he lived a sinless life on this earth for 33 years, and at the end of it, he died on a cross. 
as payment for our sin. See, the reality is that because of sin in our life, a payment has to be made. And so God looks down and he sees that we're never going to be able to be good enough and and work hard enough and try hard enough to, to make that payment. So he sent Jesus, and when Jesus died on the cross, he died as payment, as, as fulfillment of the punishment, of the penalty that was due us. And so now, because of Jesus, you and I have the ability to be in restored relationship with God. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're listening today, and, and you're looking at your life and you're going, Matt, I know I am far from God. I know that I'm distant from him. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come down front and do weird stuff. We're not going to do that. I respect you as well. What I am going to do is provide an opportunity for you and I in the stillness of this moment to get our hearts right before God. So across this room, I'm going to ask us to just bow our heads, wherever we are, just pause for a moment and pray with me. If that's you and you're far from God, this is a moment, this is a chance between you and God to make your life right again, to express to Him what's going on on the inside. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask each and every one of us across this room today to pray this prayer so that those who, who need to pray this prayer would feel comfortable. And those of us who know that I'm talking to you and you need to pray this prayer, I, 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 this is your, don't worry about the words. You pray this from your heart today. And God is here and he's going to hear you pray. And he's going to just open up an amazing world of relationship with him as we do. So can we pray together? Let, all across this room, let's, let's repeat this prayer together. So, Dear God, thanks for loving me so much that you came to this earth and died on a cross for my sin. I acknowledge today that I'm far from you, that my sin has created a distance between you and I. I ask you now to forgive me of that sin. Pull me close to you. I invite you in my heart and in my life. In this moment, give you control. Take the lead from here forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. With heads bowed, just staying in the reverence of this moment, if that's you, man, that that was a a prayer that you prayed because you're far from God. Maybe you're praying that prayer for the first time. Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed that prayer, but you just know God is moving in your heart right now. I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. If that's you and, and you prayed that, would you just do me a favor and just slip your hand up right now? Just, I just want to encourage you. Just nobody's looking. Nobody, just right, one, two, three. Just slip your hand up. You prayed that, man. Awesome. 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 Yeah, great. Good. Fantastic. It's good to see dads, fathers, sons. It's good to see moms lifted, children lifted hands going, yeah, that's me. Yeah, include me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Father, I just just seal this work that you're doing in hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we close our time and Pastor Scott comes back, I want to 
I want to say this, okay, for, for the rest of us, the seven simple rules. Okay, great. What is, is there a take-home, Matt? Is there a challenge? Here's what I think the take-home is. I think the take-home for every one of us in terms of the seven simple rules of playing with respect is this. Of those seven rules, what are the two lowest holes in your bucket? What, what are the, if you had to line them up, and you, you've got them in your bulletin there, so you can take them home and maybe play this game this afternoon with yourself. What are, what are my two lowest holes? Maybe it's margin. You know, I don't know. Maybe whatever, whatever those seven are, may, look at those and go, where are my two lowest holes? And then here's what you do. Very simply, this week, start making decisions to plug those two holes. Because see, if you and I, even in the next seven days, can simply plug the two lowest holes in our bucket, the entire water level of our life will begin to rise. And you and I will come back next week realizing I'm playing my life in a more respectful way than I was even just a week before. It's very simple. Just look at the seven, determine what the bottom one or two are, and make a commitment to God to say, okay, I'm going to start addressing these two holes in my life. What we'll discover is we play the game of life more respectfully. So everybody, happy Mother's Day.